Well, good evening. Thank you for being here and thank you for tuning in. All right. I've got a little bit of a different message tonight, so I'm not going to lead us in a song. Um, I'm not sure how long it'll take, so let's just get right into this. We're going to resume our series in Philippians tonight. Go to Philippians chapter 2, please. It's been a couple of weeks since we last met together in this book. And so I'm going to read verses 1 through 15, excuse me, 1 through 13, and um, then we'll do maybe a little bit of a recap, and we'll just get right into this here. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men." And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And so in the opening verses of this chapter, we see, we are reminded that there is a call to unity, to humble service. It's something that is attainable, although many churches struggle with that. And because it may seem like this is something that is not to be grasped, the Holy Ghost has the Apostle Paul inspired to write verses 5 through 8 where he gives Christ's example of humility, Christ's example of service, Christ's example of being unified with His Father and His Father's will. You see, Jesus made Himself of no reputation. He took upon Him the form of a servant. He became obedient unto death. And we talked about the significance of what that means compared to what new versions say on that. He was obedient unto death. He humbled Himself even to the death of the cross. He came to dwell among us knowing that He was born to die upon Calvary. And that was the significance I was talking about. He wasn't obedient and it cost him to die. It wasn't that he was obedient and that's why they killed him. No, he was born to die. And he knew that coming here. He was born to die and he knew he would come unto his own and that his own would receive him not. He knew that the very people he created would despise and reject him and mock him and spit upon him and tear his beard from his face, would 
put a crown of thorns upon his head and mock him as a king. And he, he knew all of this. He knew he was going to be scourged and, and beaten upon and led up a hill bearing his cross. And there at Golgotha, he would be crucified. And he knew that. Isn't that amazing? And yet he came. He, he humbled himself. And listen, he knew all of that because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And yet, in perfect submission to the Father's will, He came to die. He shed His blood for the remission of our sins. And Jesus, in doing so, is our example of humble service and unity with God. And in verses 9-11, through 11, we see the reward of Jesus' obedience. And this is where we left off. It's where we'll pick back up. Now, this isn't everything. This is only a partial list. But let's notice these verses again. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now we see first of all this word wherefore in verse 9. Wherefore, or because of Jesus' obedience. You know, many times we want the blessings that are found after the wherefore without doing the work that it takes before the wherefore. Is everybody following what I'm trying to say there? We often just want the blessings without humble obedience. And I'd imagine every generation faces the same challenges generation after generation, but there's no denying that we live in a culture today that wants all the benefits without the labor. And for this reason, we are a quasi-socialist nation already. We're, leading, we're leaning communistic in several communities and even electing leaders as such. Now don't worry, I'm not going there tonight. But surely you would agree that there are a multitude of people who feel like they are owed benefits without ever laboring for them. People want money without putting forth the effort. Every summer... I see people asking for a handout when you exit I-90. Not against asking for a handout, it's just that they magically disappear when it gets a little cold. Must not be that needy is what I'm saying. And what's interesting is a lot of times, uh, especially if you get off at the lacrosse exit, I've noticed that there's usually a group there and they're eating while they're asking you for money. Well, that's encouraging. And one of the ladies there, she particularly gets aggressive when people are not as open to what she wants. One hot spot that always seems to raise eyebrows. Is it okay if I just rant for a minute? This serves no purpose, okay? I just got to get this off my chest. Um, right out here, when, when we come into church, we come on I-90. We get off the, uh, right here at Haynes. And across from that exit, when people are coming off the westbound, there's usually people right there. And what, what strikes me as interesting is if you would just, uh, they can see it because they're looking at it, but there's a Wendy sign right there and it always says, now hiring. Right. <laughs> wow. And it's usually like 10 to $12 an hour to flip burgers. And that's just a starting point. I, I kind of look at that and go, you know, maybe, maybe you should go over there and get a job. Sometimes there's even a sign-on bonus. I thought about doing that, just get the bonus, amen. <laughs> Instead of bumming off other people, why don't they just cross the street to get a job? 
That's a Bible principle. A man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Now, I'm not against genuinely helping those in need. I'm all for helping the disabled and the mentally retarded and those that maybe fall on hard times every now and then. We get that. But the reality is many just need to get off their backside and do the service before the wherefore to get the blessings after the wherefore. And with enough work ethic, listen, you can still rise in a minimum wage job into positions of leadership and management and all those things. I remember when I first started working at Chick-fil-A where I met Little Shug over there. There were guys in Chick-fil-A that started as teenagers and just stayed with it, worked their way up, and became management, and eventually were running their own stores. And uh, Listen, you can do it still in America if you have a little bit of work ethic. Uh, I had a friend in high school. I remember he worked at Walmart. Walmart had just come to our town. That's back when Walmart was like the place you never wanted to go to. I don't know how many of you remember those days. Uh, you didn't want to buy your blue jeans from Walmart. And, well, in Paulding County, Georgia, we, you know, we were in the sticks, and so we finally got a, a Walmart, and... My friend went to work there, and by the time he graduated, they were offering him levels of management and to pay for his education to do it. Just a little bit of work ethic is all I'm saying. It's all it took. And, and looking back, I'm so thankful that my parents instilled in me a strong work ethic. Uh, my dad set up summer jobs for me. <laughs> Amen. Um, I remember at the age of 14, he set up an, a, a job at the Azalea shop. Some folks in church ran an Azalea business, and that's a big thing in Georgia, and so... I worked there at 15. I worked uh, construction. And then at 16, when I could drive, Chick-fil-A. And uh, joined the Air Force at the age of 17. I was a slick sleeve E1. Worked, slowly worked my way through college, retired as an officer. And, and listen, I'm just saying, it wasn't because I'm some great airman. Mike Petrocco's probably seen my record. He knows. Uh, <laughs> but it was just because you stay with it, you work hard, and God rewards. The Bible says promotion is of the Lord, and... And you just, you just get with it is what I'm saying. And uh, God will give us the backside of the wherefore when we'll do the work on the front side. Amen. There's people all around this church tonight that I believe could testify to the same thing. You've worked hard and you've got promoted and, and you've been elevated in life. There's some business owners here, but I bet they all started as apprentices. They just kept working with it until they had their own business. A lot of successful careers because of putting forth the effort. Now, I don't know how I got on this kick as I was studying. This was not my intent. But while I'm here, where did this idea of canceling all the student loans come from? Did somebody force them to go to that college? Am I alone on this? I don't know. I, I'm looking at this going, we actually got dudes elected now. They're running for president on the basis of we're going to cancel all your student loans. Well, did you take the loan out? Then pay it. By the way, there's nothing wrong with going to a cheaper institution. Amen. Hey, man. <laughs> Not to mention, many graduates think they are owed this high-paying job immediately. Because they look at the boss, or they look at a dad, or they look at somebody, and they go, you know, somebody who's already in their mid-40s or whatever, and they've, they've had 20-something years of experience. They're like, well, I've got an education. And I, listen, buddy, you've got to work your way up just like everybody else. And I don't know who this is for, but listen, this was Holy Spirit-led, amen. This is for somebody tonight. Um, but people get frustrated when they don't realize that they might actually have to work. Amen. And we, we want all the benefits after the wherefore. It's no different in the ministry. Some men expect these healthy churches right out of college and self-supporting and 
and, and supporting them. And I remember my dad was a bivocational pastor. He worked to support his family and serve God as a pastor just because he loved God. And if there was enough that came in for gas, so be it. If not, fine. Some, some suggest I walked into a great situation here. I understand that, and in a lot of respects I did, praise God. But I can tell you they didn't see the years driving up into a church parking lot with one car, preaching to two people as hard as I would preach to this crowd. You see, it takes time. It takes work. It takes uh, ethic, work ethic to, to rise. You've got to show yourself faithful is what I'm saying. There was a lot of effort on the front side of my wherefore. I don't know where you're at on this, and it's a fluid thing. But I'm simply saying that God expects our humble servitude regardless of what side of the wherefore we find ourselves in. It's probably always a moving target because we should always want to do more. We should always want to be doing more for God. And certainly as our physical strength allows us, we should be busy. Um, Those whose bodies are breaking down, listen, you should still be praying. Amen. Listen, even if you can work, the first thing we ought to be doing is praying. We ought to be prayer warriors and laboring in prayer. That takes work. That's why you're still on the other side of the wherefore. Even though Christ has received verses 9 through 11, He's still working. And that's what I'm saying. it's, It's something that is continual. It's not like you hit a point where you've arrived as a Christian and you no longer have to put forth effort. Right? You can't be like these, uh, I almost said morons, but I wouldn't say that in church. You're almost like these people who read their Bible through once, and then that's it. I've read my Bible through. Oh, wow. I guess you got it all figured out. Amen. You know, does everybody know what I'm talking about? You know these folks? Well, I read the Bible once, and I know what it says. Okay. That's great. You can know it and not live it. But Jesus is still working as our mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Romans 8.34 says, It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So the work goes on. We don't just hit a point where we stop. Our labors are never over in Christ. If they were, we'd be called home. And I think... The way I understand the Bible, we'll, we'll still be working through the millennium. And after the millennial reign, I, get, I reckon at that point we can enjoy eternity. Amen. Amen. So, let's consider what follows the wherefore. You have to forgive me. i got a pounding headache. I don't know if it shows. <laughs> but I'm not myself, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to get through this. Um, so if I'm just kind of mumbling here, stay with me. Let's consider what follows the wherefore. Uh, We see in verse 9 that God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. When Jesus ascended back to heaven, he was highly exalted by being placed at the right hand of the Father, which is the position of honor and power. The Bible talks about the strength of the right hand. And Jesus is placed at the right hand of the Father, Hebrews 1.3 says, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 10.12 says, But this man, 
after He had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then Psalm 110.1, very famous prophecy that's quoted several times in the New Testament. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. God was well pleased with Christ's sacrifice. Thanks to our Lord's humble obedience and being unified with the Father, Jesus is presently seated at the right hand of God. He has been exalted so high that this earth is His footstool. Anybody here been to the Creation Museum before? Several of you have. Did you go to that thing where you lay back in the chair and you're looking at the sky? And they keep zooming out and out and out and out of all that they've discovered until the earth is like barely even seen? I mean, the earth as His footstool is is an overstatement. Uh, it, It is just a speck. Anyway, He is so highly exalted up there in the third heaven that the earth is considered His footstool. And I want to tell you, one day, in the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, He's going to tread the winepress of this footstool. And His enemies are going to be put down. And not only has Jesus been highly exalted, but He has been given a name which is above every name. Ephesians 1, verses 21 through 23, speaking of Jesus being exalted, says this, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. You see tonight, there is no name higher than the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Not in this world, not even in the world to come. He has been exalted above every name. All things are under His feet, even the heavenly host. Hebrews 1.4 says, Being made so much better than the angels, as He hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Why do people worship angels? I don't know. I know someone who's greater than the angels and I would rather worship that one. There are many names of Christ throughout the Bible and while that is an excellent study and one I highly recommend, if we were to go down that road, we'd be stuck there for years. And so uh, for tonight, I just want to focus on this term, um, the name, name. The Bible, the New Testament specifically tonight, Uh, is what we'll look at, is where it talks about the name of Christ. Because I'm going to continue reading many verses, it's going to seem like I didn't study for this. I did. (laughs) Amen. Uh, But I guess the Lord knew I was going to feel like I was about to pass out, so I just need to read instead of preach. But please pay attention here. And I know you're not going to mind anyway, because there's no other name we ought to spend more time on than Christ. Whoop! Amen. Um, There, I made you feel bad for hating the service. And and by the way, it's just good to hear the Word of God read sometimes. So as I lay this out, I want you to keep in mind that Christ's name is the issue. That's the issue today. It was the issue then. It's the issue of all humanity. True Christianity differs from all the religions of the world because we know our foundation is in Christ being God. You see, it's the name of Christ that's the argument, if you will. That's the issue. That's what rubs people the wrong way. 
That's why our money can still say in God we trust. It doesn't say in Christ we trust. Because right now in our society, it is still acceptable to have some sort of recognition of that term God. Because now it's been applied to every religion, it seems like. But I want to tell you, we don't have the same God as the Mormons. We don't have the same God as the Jehovah's Witnesses. We don't have the same God as Islam. And so it is Christ's name that causes people to rise up. And all of a sudden there's a debate and all of a sudden there's argument. Why? Because it is the name of Christ that connects us to the God of this Bible. There's no denying that. You can throw out the term God and that can mean whatever you want it to mean to you. Yeah, I believe in God. What does that mean? And people will say, well, I believe in this and I believe in that and I believe in my own self. And I... When you start bringing up the name of Christ, now you're saying, I believe this God. I believe the God of the Bible. And that's why it is such an issue. Keep that in mind. The first and foremost thing is we know that we are saved by the name of Christ. Matthew 12, 21 says, And in His name shall the Gentiles trust. John 1, 12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. John three eighteen, He that believeth on Him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 20, 31, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. Acts 2, 21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Acts 10.43, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1 Corinthians 6.11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 1 John 2.12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. 1 John 3.23, and this is His commandment, that we believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And then we know that after we are saved, after we have been purchased by Christ, we are now gathered together tonight in His name. Amen. Amen. So many people, oh well, two or three are gathered together, He's here. Not if you're not gathering in His name. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 24, two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. And then our preaching when we are gathered and when we're out and about, it's to be in Christ's name. 
Acts 9.27 says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, speaking of Saul of Tarsus, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Acts 9.29, And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him. Luke 24, 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations. We are to pray in Christ's name. John 14, 13 and 14 says, and whatsoever ye shall ask in My name. That will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in My name, I will do it. There's a lot of passages in John that sound just like that. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, that's why the military doesn't want their chaplains praying in Christ's name. Because there is an enemy at work. Come on now, we are, listen, we are in a spiritual battle of wickedness in high places. And it's already in the government, has been for years. And they're telling these guys when you're out there in public and you do some kind of whatever retirement service or whatever, and they ask you to pray. Don't you pray in Christ's name? And I love it because every time I got asked to pray, man, I always prayed in Christ's name. And Lord, the very Christ, they don't want to hear. Amen. Amen. And and listen, that's why. Because the Bible says if you pray in my name. So what do they say? You can come and pray before Congress, but don't you close in Christ's name. Congress. No wonder we're falling apart at the seams. And now you got this lunatic closing his prayer with a woman. That's a problem. There's to be unity in the church through Christ's name because we'll stop seeing ourselves. We'll see Him as elevated and not us. We look to the One who is above all. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You know, we maintain purity through the name of Christ because that's who we represent. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which ye received of us. 2 Timothy 2, 19, Nevertheless, The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And then, did you know we are indwelt by the Holy Ghost in Christ's name? John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then we are to work in Christ's name. Bringing glory to God the Father through Christ. Colossians 3.17 And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Did you catch that? (laughs) Everything. Everything. 2 Thessalonians 1.12 That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in Him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward His name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Third John, verse 7, because that for His name's sake they went forth, taking nothing from the Gentiles. 
And then listen, we're to forsake all for Christ's name's sake. Matthew 19, 29, And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Acts 15, 26 talks about men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 21, 13, Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I'm ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. How in the world can people be tied to a stake, be burned alive, and sing praises to God as they exit this world? I'll tell you why. Because they were working for the name of Christ. It does something for you. There's power in the name of Christ to change lives. Luke 10, 17, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through Thy name. Speaking of, of the possessed woman in Acts 16, 18, we read, But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Matthew 7, 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And what's amazing about that verse in context is that these were lost men that were able to achieve all of that because there is power in the name of Christ. And that's not some spooky thing talking about casting out the demons and the evil spirits. You speak the name of Christ. Amen. Speak the name of Christ. It doesn't have to be some Hollywood drama thing. Amen. There's healing power in Christ's name. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. (laughs) In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Acts 3.16, In His name through faith, in His name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Acts 4.10, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by Him, Doth this man stand here before you whole? James 5.14 says, Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now I read all those to tell you this. There is no greater name than Christ. And because of that, because there's no greater name than the name of Christ, because... It is through Christ's name that we are saved. Because we gather in Christ's name, because we preach in Christ's name, pray in His name, are unified in His name, maintain purity in His name, have the Holy Ghost in His name, work and bring glory to God through His name, forsake all in His name, see changed lives through His name, and see healing through His name. I want you to get this tonight, that the enemy hates the proclamation of the name of Christ. Amen. When you're out and about and you're doing your witnessing, you better bring them to Christ. Amen. doesn't matter your opinion on the sin and what people are born with and all the rest. We know the answers. But listen, a lost person is not ready to deal with all that. You need to just keep pointing them to Christ. Point them to the Savior. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what we ought to be doing because it is the name of Christ that has the power to save. It is the name of Christ that has the power to change lives. It is the name of Christ that causes us to forsake some things in our life that otherwise we might want. Amen. It is the name of Christ that gives us victory. Matthew 10.22 says, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. 
Acts 4, 17 and 18, but that is spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. If that doesn't sound like our government and our public schools, I don't know what does. And you know what? We're going to threaten you through the ACLU. Don't you speak in that name. Did you see Governor DeSantis pass the, the thing about opening in a moment of silence in all the public schools? Now, it certainly comes up short. It doesn't mention praying to God necessarily. He did in his own words. We're still coming up short on that, but thank God for that. Acts, 5, uh, or Acts 540, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. Acts 9.14, And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. That was Ananias referring back to Saul. 1 Peter 4.14, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Listen, they were hated back then for the name of Christ. Why We should not expect anything different. They're going to hate it. I'm not saying we're going to be ugly and we're going to be jerks and all the rest, but they're going to hate the message, so just give it anyway. I'd rather them hate me than God be mad at me for not doing it. They're not going to like it. That's just the way it is. Some of you may not have liked it before you came to Christ. But I want you to know the good news is Jesus is, is in full control of all that's happening in our nation. That's all that's happening around. He knows. He's in, he has all power. After Jesus resurrected, before He ascended, He looked at His disciples and He says, All power is given unto me. He's got it. He's got it under control. And one day He's going to deal with those who have chosen to reject Him. We just have to be faithful to get the message out. And as we see in verses 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to tell you as I, as I wrap this up, you can get away with denying the Lord while you're living in this life. You can. The Bible's full of examples of people looking at the wicked going, why are they so blessed? Isn't that what Asaph said in Psalm 77 or 73, something like that? You can get away with denying Christ now. You can reject Him if you want to. But you can rest assured there's coming a day that every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Christ is Lord. And in that day, that will be a testament that verse 9 is right. That He has been exalted very high. That He has been given a name which is above every name. You can refuse to bow the knee now, but you're not going to refuse then. Now, your decision tonight is, do I just go ahead and proclaim that He is Lord? Or do I take that chance? That maybe some of these other teachings are correct, and if I just spend enough time in this location over here, my sins will be purged and I'll be welcomed back in. Don't wait till it's too late. Amen? Don't wait. To those of you who have been redeemed, is there an area in your life where Christ has been dethroned, so to speak? Is there a place where, listen, He's highly exalted. And, and He's above everybody else. And, and yet, we can tell God, no thank you. And, and, and listen, we all battle flesh. We understand that. And, 
but, but is there an area that Christ is not all in all? That He does not have the preeminence? You know, He ought to be in charge of our entire life. Make it right before God. Would you give Christ the exaltation that He deserves in your life? Would you do that? Many of us have that room over there that is closed off. Nobody knows about it. It's, It's our little area that's shielded from friends and maybe even spouses and and we don't want God to go in there because He's no longer highly exalted. To all of us, I would say, before you lay down tonight, would you bow your head? Would you get upon your knees and just give glory to His wonderful name? Do you even do that anymore? Do you even let Him know that He's worthy? When's the last time you just knelt in earnest prayer and just praised Him for who He is? You can ask my wife every, every Wednesday night when we open in prayer, I, I always first, I thank God for our Lord Jesus Christ. That He would save a wretch like me. I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe the whole thing's worn off. It's just not that important to you anymore. You just don't think about it as much or whatever. Listen, we better get back to basics. Let Him know. You know, the Bible says this, and we'll be done. The Bible Bible talks about there's glory that's due to His name. Isn't that right? It says it in three places. One, I'll read to you, Psalm 29.2. Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You know, in the world, when something is due, they're coming after it. You can default on your house payment if you'd like, but you give it two, three months, and you're probably going to lose your house. And if you make that a habit, maybe just one month. You can default on your car note. You can not pay your light bill, but they're going to come collecting. You know why? It's due. It's due. The Bible says give glory that is due to His name. We owe it to Him. That's why the Bible says you want to put it off? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess why. It is due to Him. Let's pray.